Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted to welcome a very, very senior professional from Singapore, Alex, Alison Heilixer. Alison, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Ashutosh. It's a real honor. Thank you. Uh, Alison is the founder of Rethink the Couch, uh, she's a psychotherapist and a counselor, a counselor and a coach. So, Alison, before we start talking about Rethink the Couch, tell me a little bit about your own journey. Yeah, so my journey begins in New York City, which is where I was raised. And then at the age of 16, there was something pretty significant that happened. So my family moved from New York City to California, and that's where I started working for this phenomenal Japanese family called the Chino family. And they own the most exquisite farm, I think, that I've ever seen still still to this day in the world. Wow. And that really opened up my desire one day, Ashutosh, to work with people mm -hmm. in Asia. And so I was really very focused on one day being able to work in Japan, was studying some Japanese, had worked in Japan for a summer, and just had absolutely my eye on doing whatever it took mm -hmm. to come out to Asia and be a therapist. And that ended up being actually in Hong Kong. So I moved to Hong Kong 12 years ago uh, with my husband and worked there as a therapist, had my two boys there, and have just recently actually relocated to Singapore. Okay, how wonderful. And both Hong Kong and Singapore are beautiful cities. So, so uh, Alison, you know, let's talk about Rethink the Couch. Uh, Clearly, the, the term says, you know, what, what you do, but yeah. how do you rethink it? So tell me, what are you doing here? Yeah, it's a good question. So, you know, Rethink the Couch is a business that I opened seven years ago in Hong Kong. So I had been working in different clinical settings, which I very much enjoyed and got some wonderful experience working, you know, across diverse populations. But I was always, Ashutosh, an entrepreneur at heart. You know, I always knew that once I had enough experience, enough confidence, and enough sort of will to launch my business that I would one day. And one of the things that was very clear to me is that I didn't want to just launch another therapy practice. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be very specific with the populations I worked with. Mm -hmm. So at this point, that's only working with adult individuals or couples on relationship or work challenges. And then I also work with corporate clients, you know, across a whole host of different mental health programming and executive coaching. Mm -hmm. So I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur one day. Rethink the Couch was basically an expression of my professional and my personal values. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be super targeted in the work that I did. And what I really ultimately wanted to do with Rethink the Couch, just as the name suggests, mm -hmm. is that I wanted to give a different flavor, a different taste of what therapy could be like, mm -hmm. because largely the people I work with otherwise would have been on the fence about therapy, you know. A lot of people still have very antiquated views about therapy. So they believe that, you know, they have to spend 300 years on the couch, that, you know, there's a there's a strong separation between the therapist and the client, that the therapist will just hide behind some professional mask and the, and the client just has to be a blank slate. Mm -hmm. And that a lot of people, you know, when I was working with clients over the years, 
they just told me that they were very reluctant to go into a process that they felt like they were going to have to be on dependent on for their whole life and that they might understand at the end of this process exquisitely why they are the way that they are, but they haven't made any changes. Mm. So the couch reflects the way that I would always want therapy to be done, which is in a much bolder way, mm-hmm. in a way that believes deeply in people's abilities to transform, yeah. to make it tailor made. So mm. I never, you know, pull out a cookbook and say, this client is exactly like that client. And I wanted to create a space that was truly collaborative between therapist and client, mm-hmm. that I have a deep curiosity of who you are. I want to understand where you want to go. Mm-hmm. And I want you also to be open that we're going to work as a team. Very interesting. And, you know, when I was uh, preparing to talk to you, uh, in one of the papers of within your website, I, I'd read that you help people transform their relationship and work challenges. Yes. Help me understand this in a little more detail. And if possible, give me one or two examples without any names, of course. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's a great question because you're right. Like, what what does this actually mean that I help people transform their work and, and relationship challenges? So I think if we step back, right? So I spoke to the two populations I work with. So one group of people I work with want to transform relationship challenges. And the other, you know, bucket are people who want to transform their work challenges. So transformation itself is a process where something goes from one state to another state, which is not necessarily a positive change, although of course the the clients I work with are ultimately seeking the, the positive transformation. So it's basically when I meet someone, I will always try to understand where they are, but I always believe in their ability to be able to move from that state that I meet them in mm-hmm. to a state that really more aligns with what they want in their life, with their values, with their goals, and really kind of with their higher purpose. Mm. So for example, without of course sharing any identifying details, I'm just thinking of a man who I worked with many, many years ago, and he was about 40 years old. And when he came in, he said to me, you know what else? And I met my wife when I was in high school. I did everything I was supposed to. You know, I went to an Ivy League school. I got a good job. Like things were good. Hmm. But that's until actually the veil was really lifted about a month before I came to see you. So obviously I was curious, you know, what what had happened about a month ago. Hmm. And it turned out that his wife had had an affair and it was a very detailed affair. You know, it was it went on for years. You know, there were various instances where uh, his wife had humiliated him as a husband. You know, it was it was it was quite a sadistic kind of affair. And he said to me, he said, look, like this is just a point in my life where I'm either just going to go deep, deep, deep into my victimhood mm-hmm. or this is going to be a point where you and I work together to transform this pain. And I said to him, I said, do you want to transform this pain? And he said, yeah. And I said, why? And he said, because the cost is too high if I don't. Mm-hmm. And what ended up happening, Ashutosh, with his transformation, and hopefully this will deepen the point around transformation itself, mm-hmm. is that this man to to this date is physically stronger. So mm-hmm. he under, you know, he underwent a physical transformation. He started boxing, he started running, he started really taking care of his, you know, his health. Mm -hmm. He was, he's spiritually transformed. 
He's a man who was, you know, hardcore atheist when I met him. And he is like, you know, on a very, very deep spiritual path at this mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. Emotionally, he has transformed. He had barely any words for his emotions when I first met him. He could not only not name them, but even when he thought he could name them, they, they wouldn't even come out of his throat. Mm -hmm. And relationally, he is much stronger. Mm -hmm. He's in a marriage that is much happier much healthier, contains no humiliation, nothing sadistic. Yeah. And so if we think about that, that's an example of transformation from many different perspectives. But there are some people who come in and they say, look, I, I we're working together as a couple to transform the way that we relate to each other. Mm -hmm. And for some people, it's just that. There's just one kind of depth to their transformation, whereas for other people, it's, um, you know, from various angles. Thank you. What a great example uh, of transformation, both at work and in relationships. Thank you so much for sharing it. Uh, my next question to you, Alison, is that in large parts of Asia, and you've chosen to make Asia your home, uh, yeah. mental health challenges are still very, very hush-hush. Oh, yes. People don't want to talk about it. You've yeah. been working in this region for a long time. Yes. Two related questions. Why is it so hush-hush? And second, yeah. is it beginning to change? Okay. So the first question, why, why is it so hush-hush? So why is it so stigmatized? Why almost for 15 years that I've been in Asia, is it uh, very secretive when people often will come to see me or even contact yeah. me? So... First of all, I think that there are various reasons why it's still largely stigmatized. One, I, I think that, you know, for a large large part of history, I think in, in Asia, mental illness has really, or mental health challenges even, have been coded as weakness. Mm -hmm. That if you are experiencing something like depression or anxiety, there, there's an aspect of the person that is considered weak. Hmm. There's another aspect to it as well, which I think goes to the more collectivistic thinking in this part of the world, which is that, you know, when people are feeling things, for example, you know, in my home country, in the United States, hmm. people are taught to, you know, express their feelings, hmm. you know, share their truth be, you know, transparent, be their authentic selves. Mm. Whereas I think, you know, this is obviously painting a broad stroke, whereas mm. I think in Asian more collectivistic societies, yeah. there's an idea that you have to be considerate with your feelings and 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 how you might burden people with mm. your challenges. And so I think a lot of kind of mental health challenges fall under that, you know, do not inflict harm onto other people or don't disrupt the group harmony mm. with your own pain. Mm. Families, I think, here are also more protective of their names so that if there is a mental health challenge or there's a challenge in someone's marriage, mm. that people are concerned that that could bring shame to the family's name. Mm. Um, I think there's also, you know, more of um, a pressure to perform Right. And for people to um, suffer through some of their pain to kind of keep playing through a lot of what does ail them. So, for example, um, because I work with people who have relationship and work challenges, for example, the people who are in challenge relationships, they don't want to tell their families because they're often just told, well, just stick it out. Right. Mm -hmm. Life is 
it's hard. Marriage is hard. So, so stay married and just stick with it. Um, and for people in the workplace, you know, a lot of people I work with in Asia, they're still living with their families or giving allowances to their families. And so they kind of feel like there's not really a reason to even share some of their pain. I think also, Ashtash, one of the things I've gathered over the years is just this disbelief that mental health challenges are even real. Like some people, I think in, in some almost conspiratorial ways, believe that it's like a, you know, an American export to, to help people feel special or unique. But what I always tell people is that, because it always fascinates me when I when I hear that, is that the brain is an organ, Correct. right? So, so the brain is just like your heart, just like your liver, that of course it can, you know, be impacted. Of course, you might need some support. So <laughs> those are some of the reasons that I think that, you know, it's been impacted. Now, to your second question, are things changing? Yes and no. So they're changing insofar as if you and I had this conversation before the pandemic, I'd probably feel like maybe less hopeful that, that things were changing. But I do think there there has been a bit of a crack in Asia where people are starting to more regularly reach out to mental health professionals. I think people are more likely to be able to name their emotions and be able to share some of their experiences. But I think what's what's you know, what's beautiful in this part of the world that I'm witnessing is that, you know, a lot of my clients, they tell me that, like, I don't want to just throw out our, my value system, right? Like, I don't want to just start to become this person who's overly expressive or so-called authentic. So I'm finding that a lot of people are looking how to integrate hmm. mental well-being into a value system that more makes sense for them. So it's not just copy-paste you know, what people are doing with therapy or mental health in, in the U.S., but I really find that there's there's a desire to preserve some of the values that do resonate and do still show respect to, you know, something like a family system or to certain rituals that do feel important. Very interesting. And, you know, uh, I wanted to shift gears a little bit and talk a little about coaching as well, because you're sure. a coach uh, as well. Yes. So I wanted to ask you that as a coach, how does your own background support your coaching philosophies? And I'm sure you focus a lot on mental wellness as well. But how does it support your coaching philosophy, your style and your values? Yeah, it's it's a good question. So you're right that I'm trained both as a therapist and as a coach. So I've done the IC, ICF certification out of the United States. And the way I describe myself, Ashutosh, is that I'm basically equidistant between a therapist and a coach. So it's, you know, sometimes I'm a little bit more of a therapist. Sometimes I'm a little bit more of a coach, depending on the client that I'm sitting in front of. Now, of course, if a client is super specific that we are only doing coaching, then of course, I dropped the whole the whole sort of therapist thing. But what I found is that it's a very powerful skill set to really know when to shift gears and to sort of dig a little bit in the past, right? Mm -hmm. And sort of speak some of the why versus when to shift gears more into the coaching and really start to understand the how and the what of what is it that you want to do with where you're at at this point. So my own philosophy, again, is really equidistant between 
that of a therapist and a coach, which is understand enough of the why, have enough awareness, go as deep as you need to go, right? Which for every person is different. But at the end of the day, it does sort of come down to what do you want to do with this? So I very deeply value curiosity. So when I'm coaching people, I, you know, I don't use like pre-cooked um, coaching tools. Like to me, they don't, uh, they, they don't resonate with my style. So I'm deeply, deeply curious. Who is this person in front of me? You know, how did he or she come to be? Um, where where does this person want to get to? Um, I also very, very deeply value creativity. So again, rethink the couch, right? I don't use yep. pre methods. Mm -hmm. um, so I employ a lot, a lot of creativity. Collaboration, also a huge value of mine. So I will work just as hard as the client works. Yeah. I've figured out that, you know, I used to work way harder and I'd end up with a big headache, but now I've realized, you know, I just work as hard as hard as they do. And that that has served pretty well to to really start to match and mirror the person in front of me. Um, yeah. And I'd say that I'd say I lead with curiosity. I mean, if I had to circle one value that really informs my work, both as a coach and a, and a, and a therapist, it's. Mm -hmm curiosity and, and less assumptions. Very interesting. And your own um, context, you know, uh, New York, California, fascination, working in a Japanese, uh, with, a, with a Japanese family, coming to Asia, how does this historical context um, support you in your views of your clients and, and as a coach? Yeah, you know what? I think my background ha has almost allowed me to have one foot in each world. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that there are a lot of people who who come to me, Ashutosh, who appreciate that, you know, that I've grown up obviously in a different context. And so obviously I, I do bring a different perspective, but that I also have an incredible reverence for being in Asia. So I think one of the things that's very different, perhaps, um, you know, with someone like me as as, as a so-called expat, I don't even, you know, use that label on myself, is that I really feel like Asia is just my forever home. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it was 12 years in Hong Kong and now I'm in Singapore. So I think it's, you know, it's a background that's led me with, you know, a broad perspective, a deep respect for people doing things differently, right? And respecting that people have different paths integrating these different views, but also just a deep reverence for being here. So it's never been, oh, you know, how long am I going to be in Hong Kong? How long am I going to be Singapore and, you know, mm. get me back to the U.S.? Mm. It's a deep curiosity. It's a deep appreciation for wherever I am, mm. um, but knowing on a deep level that Asia is really where I'm meant to to practice. Very interesting. I have time for two more questions. My next question, sure. uh, I'm now going to turn to the young leaders, you know, sure. uh, me personally, I'm from the baby boomers generation, mm. but I think that, you know, the, the, uh, the millennials, the Gen Z's who are now coming into positions of leadership are getting into uh, maybe even uh, early middle age. Uh, I think they, they really bring a breath of fresh air into our companies, into our world. Yes. What in your view are some of the areas they need to be coached uh, in. Yeah. So specifically that that kind of age group, like the millennials. Yeah, the millennials, Gen Zs, because they now, you know, they have they have such a different perspective. And yet there are certain areas where when I speak to them, 
they say that, oh, I wish we had uh, some additional inputs. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think that one of the big areas is coaching around kind of boundaries, because I, I think that, you know, with millennials, the, the sense that I get, and again, you know, I'll, I'll just pull out my my broad stroke again, is the sense that I get is there's a real push towards authenticity and there's a real push towards, you know, being really clear with kind of, you know, your personal uh, time and, and and all of that, which is great. But I think one of the things that I would really start to coach people on in, in that specific age group is that, you know, people are very particular about what they do and do not want to share or expose in the workplace. And so even though they themselves might kind of feel great in their their authentic beings, you know, whatever that might mean for people, is that there are still many people in the world who do not want to share their personal experiences at work. So that's a big thing. It's just sort of like honoring the authenticity, but not pushing it so far that we forget about people's different boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think that that's, that's the biggest thing that that really comes to mind. And also to go back to, you know, and this might be my own projection since mm-hmm. I, I value curiosity so much, but to also stay really humble and to recognize that you know, it's very unlikely, you know, if you're 25 years old and, and and you find yourself in a leader position that you know everything. And so I would say to to continue to lead with curiosity mm-hmm. and to be confident, but also to really just remain as curious to the people that you're leading as possible. Because for all of us, regardless of what industry we're in, I think the only way we stay connected with what we're doing is if we believe that there's more to learn mm-hmm. and are more ways to grow and develop people as opposed to showing up with mm. you know the kind of confidence or arrogance that we know everything or that everyone has to do things our way very interesting and my last question to you Alison and this is for the many many people who will listen to our conversation yes based on your own amazing journey and such mm. amazing work that you have done with so many people across so many different countries what would you say are three lessons you would want our viewers and listeners to take away from your own journey and from our conversation. Yeah. So I'm going to, you know, beat the same drum with the curiosity, but I think, you know, less assumptions and more curiosity, Mm -hmm. no matter what your path is, no matter what group of people you find yourself in, you know, no matter where you are in life, but to really reduce assumptions that you make about people's experiences and who they are and to stay deeply curious to stay humble about your own experiences. So that would be number one. Mm. The second one is that you're probably not alone mm. with what you're experiencing. So I think, you know, life is life is difficult, right? In, in many ways. And of course, it's yeah. amazing in other ways. But I would really suggest that people, you know, when they are experiencing their challenges or they are experiencing pain is to diffuse as quickly this, real delusion that all of us carry that we're alone in our experiences mm-hmm. which does not mean that therapy is the solution or coaching is the solution for everyone right i mean it might be chatting with a best friend it might be doing some writing it might be speaking to a spiritual leader so so again the push is not to always go to therapy or coaching mm-hmm. but to do whatever you need to do to diffuse that idea that you're alone mm-hmm. um i think the other thing is 
really goes back to this idea of transformation. Mm. And I would say, you know, not to sell yourself short mm. and to, you know, put together whatever support is needed, right? And obviously, mm. as an entrepreneur, I've needed tons of support over the years. Mm-hmm. So put together a Congress of support for whatever it is you want to do, but to really believe in what's possible. Mm. Because I've met too many people, Ashutosh, who are at the who are at ages where they look back at their life and they think, you know what, if I only took that risk. Mm-hmm. So those would be the three. Very interesting. And on that note, and your three amazing lessons, you know, make less assumptions, stay more curious, stay humble. Uh, and a very very powerful comment you made that you're probably not alone. Life yeah. is difficult, but and as one would normally say, this too shall pass. Yes. Uh, yes. And your third one is don't sell yourself short. Uh, build a support infrastructure around you uh, because that, that is where the power of, I think, the whole universe conspires to be with you. Thank you yes. so much for speaking to me, Alison. Thank you for talking to me about your own journey, about Rethink the Couch, about your own philosophies uh, as uh, a psychotherapist, as a coach. Thank you also for sharing with me some amazing examples, uh, especially the one that you spoke to me about the one individual and how he transformed his entire life. Um, and finally, thank you for agreeing to speak to me and good luck to you. Thank you so much. Really appreciated the time together. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Brand Called You videocast and podcast platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called you.